The subject this morning is heaven. The book of Revelation. We have been studying in the book of Revelation now for some time, along with everything else that's been going on in the calendar and things that we have been focused on. And today I am, uh, I am uh, feeling joyful to proclaim that we're coming back to the book of Revelation today and the incredible unveiling of God's plan for the future. Specifically, we're at the place in our study today where we're looking into the book of Revelation as prophecy of the future. It is magnificent. To me, it is spectacular. To me, the descriptions touch in some way my imagination And they certainly cause me to wonder, and what is it like? I think of all the descriptions of heaven throughout the Bible, of the colors in heaven. How colorful heaven will be. And I think about all the descriptions about heaven throughout the Bible, about the brightness, the lighting in heaven. I will just throw this out. This wasn't part of my notes, but I'm grateful for all the lighting we've had in this church in the last few years of tech. And I think I can see you a little better, actually, you know. But can you imagine a God who created light and what the lighting must be like in heaven? The colors, the variety... Let's look for a moment or two before we read this text at where we've been in our study. Long, long ago, I said we're going to study prophecy. And God's words to man about the future and about their lives and about His plan. We started way back in the Old Testament and for a few weeks studied some of the prophets of the Old Testament, and then we spent an extended amount of time in the book of Daniel. The wonder of the future and God's plan. Then we moved over to the New Testament, and we studied the words of Jesus and some of the prophetic scriptures of the New Testament, and then have come to the book of Revelation. Most recently, we have studied the seven churches in the book's in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, and we realize that the whole book of Revelation God is giving to us today for a purpose. Sometimes we wonder what that purpose is and why, and we may think that about these chapters ahead that we're going to look at. Why does God give this to us? Why did He give us the seven churches and the messages? And we know that God is speaking to us about who we are and how we live and where we're at. Two weeks ago, we read these words, the last text before we begin in chapter 4. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. The truth is, the whole Bible is an invitation. Every book of the Bible is an invitation for you to hear God speaking to you. Every part of the Bible has a purpose to draw you to respond to the truth of God. And the book of Revelation is another example of that. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today. And through what He gives us in the Bible and in the book of Revelation, 
is to draw us to respond and believe in this almighty, amazing, creative, wonderful God. This morning specifically, we're going to move to a different time period, a different place in the book of Revelation. We're moving to a time period that many people call the end times. And today we're going to look at an opening uh, picture of the end times. Although I will say of chapter 4 and chapter 5, of which is our subject today and next Sunday, that everything that happens in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, if you read it, I believe, at least this is my conclusion, may already be happening right now. In fact, it's likely that the events that are described in chapter 4 is what's going on ever since Jesus ascended back to heaven. So as I read it and we think about it, you'll know what I say, but from chapter 6 on, it's all about the future, which may be started now. The events that begin to be described in some detail are events that are taking place in God's timetable of eternity, some of which we clearly think we understand that it's coming at a certain time and other things that we might not be sure of. But I can tell you chapter 4 right now that we're going to read in, in just a moment is something that God is working in right now. It's already taking place. And then next Sunday especially as we celebrate the importance and the meaning of the scroll. Thank you for that song that we sang, Shauna, about who is worthy. That song could not be any better uh, for our text and next Sunday as we talk about opening the scroll and what that means that the Lamb is able to open that scroll. But would you turn in your Bibles if you would like to read along. I'm going to read both chapters today and I plan to focus on chapter 4 today and next week chapter 5, but I think the beauty and the wonder of these two chapters together, they come together and uh, is so amazing. So John... John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God, also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. 
They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands upon ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every one, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is a vision that God gave to a man named John. And it comes to John as an open door. Suddenly, John said there was a door before him that was opened. And he's looking. And he's seeing. And he's given this incredible picture with all this magnificent detail and physical description and spiritual description. He sees an open door. As he sees the open door, he knows that he is being called to the open door. Jesus has just spoken in the last text that I read earlier about an open door. He said, I will knock on the door and if anybody hears my voice and opens a door, I will go in with him. And here John is given, just a few verses later, this incredible open door. It just reminds me how important the first door is compared to the second door. And that every one of us have that opportunity to understand what's in the second door because we respond to Jesus knocking at the door of our heart. And when we respond to Jesus knocking at the door to our heart, then, then the second door of heaven becomes possible, becomes uh, available. And John heard this voice that 
He describes like this. And again, how does John describe all these things? He's just a man. But God gives him this glimpse, this picture into heaven, and he tries to put it into words. And he's describing this voice that sounds like a trumpet. Beautiful. I think, well, what could have that sounded like? It had to have been strong. It had to have been clear. It had to have been beautiful to his ears. A voice speaking to John. And what does the voice speak to John? He speaks to John and gives him an invitation. He says, John, come. Come through the door. Come and see and listen. I also think of all the times in the Bible that we read the word come. And how important the word come is to our concept of God. That God is a God who is saying to come. Come unto me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Another place says, come to the fountain, come to the waters, come to the truth. I think of the sermon that our evangelist spoke the other night when he talked about the parable of the, the lost, the, the, uh, the loving father, the prodigal son, and how the father was watching and waiting. And as soon as that son began to come, as, as he was knowing in his heart that he had to come, God, in the story, runs out and hugs him and meets him. I'm thinking not only the importance of the open door in your heart and your mind and responding to that, but also that, that invitation to come and how we have got to make the choice to come. You've got to make the choice to come to the voice of God, to the Spirit of God. Come to Him today. And I will show you, verse 1 says, what must take place after this. When our hearts are open and we're listening, God has something to say to us. John also became aware of something very special as he passed through the door. He became aware of the presence of the fullness of the Spirit. It's described here at once in verse 2. I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Later on, it talks about the seven spirits. And this is a significant part of the story. When John stepped into heaven, there was a fullness of the Holy Spirit that was absolutely incredible. Had to be incredible to John to see and sense and hear. When John stepped through the door, there was the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in their fullness. I want you to think about that for a little bit. How wonderful and amazing it must have been. You see, God has promised us the Holy Spirit in our lives today. And we have Him to guide us and help us. Everything that we need to live the Christian life, God's promised us. And He's also said that when we get to heaven, there will be a fullness of the Spirit. On the throne, John perceived this being and the wonder of him God the Father and then he, the Lamb was there Jesus the Son and all that he had accomplished in the term the Lamb and then it says here the fullness of the Spirit the holy presence of God and of all the things that I speculate about heaven and I read about and I read what people say and you know, people, how they think it must be. I think this probably one quality is the most amazing to me as I think about heaven. That is the full presence of God in every way. What that must be like. 
what heaven must be like with the presence of God. With the very, uh, I want to say physical presence, spiritual presence, whatever it is that John had felt and saw at this moment, imagine as he passed through that door and all of a sudden, wow, he could sense the Spirit of God. Heaven's going to be like that. Heaven's going to be this this knowledge of the wonder of the the Trinity, of the fullness of God. Jesus said, or it was said of Jesus that we now see Jesus like through a glass darkly, but we will then later see Him face to face. And I believe that God gave to John a moment or a few moments or a day or whatever this vision took to see Him face to face, the Godhead. I want to say how precious it is to think about the fullness of God's Spirit in heaven and also in our lives. We can have that sense of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can have a closeness with God that's real and alive that helps us and speaks to us and ministers to us in a world that's crazy, in a world that's full of stuff and uncertainties. I want you to know today that the same Holy Spirit that John saw when he walked up in the door is available to us as believers and Christians today. I can't hardly stop thinking about this quality in this chapter. The presence of God in this place and time, the fullness, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have seen throughout the Bible descriptions of the Trinity and and, uh, God's presence in all three forms, but this, as I'm thinking, is, is maybe the first full written description of the Trinity and the fullness of God together in the presence, a man in his presence. These two chapters together give us a snapshot of the presence of God. It also gives us a picture of the throne room of heaven as it is at this point. It may be different later. It may be the same. I don't know. But these two chapters do give us a picture of heaven's throne room. You notice I didn't say this gives us a picture of all of heaven because there's a lot more to heaven, I believe, than the throne room. And I say that because of the rest of the book of Revelation. For example, just for example, in chapter 21 and 22, you have a description of what heaven is like. There's all kinds of things in there that aren't in here. And it just tells me and reminds me that heaven is probably far more diverse than we might think of. You know, I've always kind of, as a kid, I thought, well, heaven is a place where you're, you're floating around on a cloud, you know. Well, let me tell you, that, that idea of heaven to me is long since past. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. But it's incredible. The little bits and pieces that we have of heaven. I think of our purpose in heaven. And and what we're going to do in heaven. We have little bits and pieces all throughout the Bible. But I just want to say to you. God made us and wired us. And knows what is fulfilling to us. He knows what we need. He knows what we like. He knows who we are. And he loves us as his children. So whatever he planned in heaven. Is going to be absolutely incredible. And I bet. Only a little bit might even be close to what I speculate it could be. 
The truth is heaven is an amazing place where there'll be no more pain or sorrow or death or crying. And God is the one that designed it. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus was here on earth. He understood people and what they needed and who they were and how they thought and what they felt. And it's the same with us in this century today. Jesus knows who you are. He knows what to prepare for you in your place in heaven. If you're his child today, Jesus is going to prepare a place. The open door. Jesus had spoken about the open door and now the invitation for John was to come and see it for yourselves. We are blessed and privileged today to have this little picture into eternity. God is allowed in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and other places, God has allowed what I'll call short glimpses into heaven. For John, and especially for us. For John was the one that God had chosen to be the one to describe it for us in human terms. Many people, many other people have tried to describe what heaven is like in the history of of Revelation. I think how this direct revelation is so precious and true. But I just want to say also, there's a lot of people in the history of, of the church and the history of humanity that also have had visions about heaven. Some have had dreams and they've conveyed them to others. Maybe you've heard stories, near-death experiences. About three months ago, my wife was really interested in watching and listening to testimonies of near-death experiences. She listened to probably 12 or 15 of them. I watched a couple of them with her. It was quite a few years ago, maybe eight, nine years ago or so, that uh, you had the story of the little boy and heaven is for real and there's been all kinds of people that have claimed that they were nearly had died or they brought back. And, and you can get on the YouTube and you can watch testimony after testimony after testimony of people who claim that they had gone to heaven or they had gone to hell or somewhere in between and they had an experience. I tell you, I'm always a skeptic of humans talking about heaven until we get there. But I tell you, it's interesting and some of them are probably very true. Wherever you have something genuine, you could also, I realize you, it may not be true or somebody could make it up, but I'll tell you what, some of them stories are very compelling to me about what heaven was like. And they, uh, all the ones I watch and listen to are so consistent with what we read here and especially at the end of the book of Revelation. It's just interesting to me that there are a lot of sources and people that God's allowed to have visions of heaven. And they're pretty incredible. If that interests you, uh, that's something that you can think about and as you think about heaven. Again, God gave us John the Revelator, I know that. But there's also some other experiences out there that have been so interesting. I do think of the Scripture that says, No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived what God hath prepared for those that love Him. So no matter what our thought is of heaven now, no matter what we get from John's words here, uh, it, it, it probably will be very small in comparison to the reality when we step into heaven. Whatever it is, the wonder and the majesty, God gives us these glimpses. Well, let's look more at what John experienced when he went through that door. He experienced the throne room of heaven. 
he experienced God's presence in an incredible way. He experienced amazing creatures and beings. And he experienced incredible sense of worship. The throne itself. How can we begin to imagine the presence of the throne of God the Father? Immensely beautiful. Incredible, again, as I said earlier, incredible colors that John describes that came out of this throne that God the Father is sitting on. And all around this throne is an incredible spirit of praise, of thanksgiving, of acknowledgement of who God is. And to imagine what John could have seen seated on the throne. I've just, of course, I'm AD or, you know, whatever. And when I see children crawling around on the floor, it just makes me laugh. And I have trouble concentrating. That's me. Oh, you know the heavens... Well, this is what a lot of people who have near-death experiences, they say there's a lot of children in heaven, babies. I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know whether to believe everything I hear, obviously. But I've heard that testimony and I've read it by so many people that in heaven there's going to be a lot of babies and children. I just can't. It's just amazing to me to think about the wonder of what heaven could be like. Is it going to be anything like we think or is it going to be so different? But so many people have written who've had near-death experiences that they have encountered the beauty and wonder of what we find in chapter 4 and and so many other things that are closer uh, described at the end of the book of Revelation. Anyway, that was a side, a side events there. But I want you to imagine with me for a few minutes what John saw when he looked at the throne, when he came in. At once I saw in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. You know how many artists have tried to paint what they think that might have looked like? It's got to be... I mean, I looked at 200 pictures. I'm just going to have to get a paintbrush myself. I don't know. Somehow, he knew it was a being... But it was so magnificent and beautiful that he describes it as jasper and ruby. Wow. And rainbow. Can you imagine the colors that God has? I just think, what could God be like that this is how John describes it? Maybe John, he wouldn't do any better than us. John wouldn't know any better than us how to describe it. I don't know. Jasper and ruby and rainbows. Imagine what just that would be for John. How does he... He sees these 24 elders on smaller thrones, I believe, representing God's people. And each of them have a crown of gold and who they are. Again, they'll be throughout the book of Revelation. A lot of, a lot of people ideas. Who are the 24 elders? Where did they come from? Who do they represent? But somehow there's an organization 
around the throne of, of God's creatures, of God's people. And added to this is the incredible sounds that John hears, he sees, he feels. And then he hears, he hears the thunder, the lightning bolts, the blazing fire. John sees all this and hears all this. This is John's introduction to heaven. This is John's first look into heaven. I've often speculated and wondered what the first look will be for those that pass into eternity, those that are believers. And I've talked about that or I've said about that before people. Can you just imagine at that second when Jesus takes your hand? It's already settled whether you're going to be in heaven or hell when you die. There'll be a judgment later, but I understand that to take your last breath is to be in the presence of Jesus from the Scriptures. Can you imagine what it's like for your loved ones and those that have gone before you who are believers, what they will see and hear and feel just based on this. And there's so much more about heaven too, I'm saying, but just based on this, can you imagine? You think John wanted to come back? Everybody in these testimonials that I've read about, everybody has said the same thing. They never want to come back. There's a consistency there anyway. Wow. The holy presence of God. It's just mind-boggling. Eternity is. The promises. There is so much evidence of eternal life. I don't know how anyone... And deny the existence of eternal life. Who opens their heart to the truth of God. It's incredible. It's amazing. Certainly unknown. Oh, by far unknown and speculated about. But the presence of God in eternity. Then John sees before this throne a sea of glass. I'm just wondering how beautiful that is. He just imagine as he looks all around, probably in every direction he can see in this sea of glass that all these beings are are there. Can you imagine? Like I said, John, when the vision's over, all of a sudden he wakes up on a very hard rock on the island of Patmos. Or he's sitting at his desk in his prison cell with his quill in hand. And he's back on the earth. Sometimes when we think of the good and the hard things about this life. We need to be reminded that there's something out there and up there. Somewhere, something. That God, the Father, 
God the Son and God the Holy Spirit is fully existent and present in. I mentioned before the seven spirits. Most commentators interpret the seven spirits as representing the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, there's several things related to the number seven and the Spirit of God. There's more to that, but just want to mention that today. We had the seven candlesticks. Throughout the book of Revelation, seven is a very important number in many ways. And here you have the seven spirits of God. Again, a number that represented the fullness, the completeness. The word in one of the songs that we sang earlier, the wholeness of God's existence. I believe these seven spirits to me, they speak of the, the wholeness of God's Spirit. And how true and exact and perfect. And then you have the four living creatures. Lion, ox, man, and eagle. Interesting, I, I read like six different translations of this, and they're all different, which animals they are. There is such a wideness of description of these animals in the original language that it's, it's hard to know whether this is animals that have certain characteristics of this animal or that animal or a combination. or This is a vision. These are symbolic also. And what these specific animals are, we're going to read more about them in Revelation, but this is our first look here. Reminds me of what we read in the book of Daniel with the four animals, the four creatures, which represented in that book the kingdoms of the earth. And here they represent something else, and they are in full worship of the Lamb. Full worship of the Lamb. And what all of them are doing in this chapter, in this part of heaven at the throne room, what all of them are doing is acknowledging the wonder of who God is. This is worship. And they are caught up with this uh, continuous sense of the worthiness of God. Now this is hard, of course, for me and I think for us to get any kind of a grasp on. I mean, we think of, we often think of worship as we come and we worship. We acknowledge, we say things, we sing, we pray, we bow our hearts, uh, we read the Scriptures, we, we meditate, we say, God, show me. But there's something in the depth of this worship that's just incredible. And only when we get there will I think we'll have a concept of what this is. But the creatures and the 24 elders are around God and they are day and night, it says. Day and night, verse 8 says, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They never stop saying that. I think, well, how can you say something over and over and over again and still be meaningful? I know that's, you know. I don't like to say the same thing. I don't like to sing the same thing over and over and over again. That's, my, that's not my personality. But somehow, there's a connection here where that's, it just continually comes out of them. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Would you stand, please? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. There was something deep within these creatures, these four creatures, the 24 elders. Oh, and I forgot to say the next chapter, angels all over the place. People said, well, how many angels are there out there? I don't know. Does everybody have one? Uh, is there one per row here or maybe one per family? You know, I don't, I don't know exactly. But, you know, the next chapter says that there were 10,000 times 10,000 angels also circling this throne praising God. That's a million angels. That's a minimum. Billions? Trillions? Could there be as many angels as there are stars in the sky? Or the sand on the seashore? But here there were one million angels gathered around saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. You know what about that million angels number is? I don't know how many people are here today. I'm guessing 170. I don't know. But we can add to that million. Here on earth, we're not at the door looking into heaven, but we have the privilege of acknowledging deep within the worthiness of God and the wonder of God. I want to invite you to do that today. We're going to sing. But also, more important is I just want you in your heart to think about and say, God, you are worthy. Next week we're going to talk about the scroll and the Lamb and how, how important that scroll is and the Lamb is. Turn to number two in your hymn book. Hymn number two. One of the great, great Songs of the church. We're going to sing a cappella. We're going to sing two verses. We're going to sing the first verse. Second verse. I changed my mind. We're going to sing the fourth verse too. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty Early in the song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore Thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim, Falling down before thee with 
which were and are and evermore shall be. Please forgive me. I, I want to sing the third verse too. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love, in purity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. O Heavenly Father, Jesus the Lamb, Holy Spirit, may our worship be pleasing to You. May we never take You for granted. May we not become so casual about our faith that we would forget how precious and majestic and amazing You are, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. God bless.